Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Katrina Blowers and today we are looking into the mostly unregulated market of protein powders. In Australia, there's no requirement for regular testing to confirm whether what's on the list of ingredients matches up with what's inside the packet or tub. And it can be a wild west when it comes to quality control. In some cases, undeclared poisons have been found inside. So things like heavy metals, pesticides and other potentially toxic contaminants. There is a particular risk if you're buying your protein from overseas or what's called the grey market. Dietitians say that's becoming a real problem among teenage boys and some of these companies make big health claims in their marketing. But how do we really know what we're consuming? A company can call something their proprietary blend and give it a name and they don't actually have to stipulate what forms that proprietary blend or even the amounts of ingredients that are contained within the powder itself. We're going to get into what you need to know about protein powder, what you should look for, how to make an informed choice. That is straight after the headlines. It is Thursday the 19th of October and I'm joined by Eleanor Harrison-Dengate. Hey Katrina, more news from the conflict in Gaza this morning. The US doesn't believe Israel is responsible for the explosion at that Gaza hospital yesterday. I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. US President Joe Biden there, who has joined Israeli leaders for high-level talks overnight. In a social media post, a White House spokesperson has said their analysis is based on overhead imagery, intercepts and open-source information. Israel has said the explosion was caused by a failed rocket launch by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad militant group, which has denied it was them. Palestinian officials have blamed Israel, saying more than 400 people have been killed, although Israel disputes that number. Arab leaders have also blamed Israel and have cancelled a summit with Biden in Jordan as a result. What a giant mess and, you know, even more distressing element to an already distressing story. Mm. Uh, Meanwhile, the second repatriation flight has touched down in Sydney. 126 Australians and their family members were flown out of Israel. So now we've got more than 1,500 Australians who fled the region. In the US, head of ASIO, Mike Burgess, has said Australia is on high alert for signs of extremists using the escalating conflict in the Israel Hamas war for recruitment drives and potential violence. He also warned that Russia and China were trying to steal nuclear technology secrets from the AUKUS submarine pact. His comments were made at a summit of the Five Eyes intelligence chiefs. The Five Eyes is made up by Australia, the US, the UK, Canada and New Zealand. We've also had some more protest marches uh, in the last 24 hours. Marches have been held in Jordan's capital in support of Palestinians. uh, And we've had Lebanese security forces using tear gas and water cannons to repel protesters near the US embassy in Beirut. And in Tunisia, they've been burning Israeli and American flags and they've demanded the expulsion of US and French ambassadors. It's also, while they're still sort of having difficulties trying to get humanitarian aid through that border with Egypt. So Egypt says the route is open on its side and that Israeli bombardment of the Gaza side is making getting aid through the border impossible. Washington says the Israelis want systems in place to confirm that the aid would not benefit Hamas. So it's still a bit disputed exactly what's happening there. 
Ticketek has found itself in hot water for breaching spam laws. It's been forced to pay more than half a million dollars in fines after an investigation found it sent close to 100,000 texts and emails to people who had either unsubscribed or hadn't given their consent. So the Australian Communications and Media Authority says Ticketek mischaracterised the texts, saying they contained important event information, but they also contained clickable promotional banners or social media links. So the entertainment business, which sells tickets to some of Australia's biggest events, including the upcoming Taylor Swift Eras Tour, must now appoint an independent spam compliance person. That mm, seems a little bit of a sneaky way to try and bypass those spam laws. I don't know about you, but I've certainly noticed a growing amount of spam on my phone and email from companies that sometimes I can't even remember giving permission to. And I, and I mm. usually am pretty diligent about clicking that no box. Uh, it looks when you look at the official figures for this kind of thing that that's not only happening to me. Over the past 18 months, Australian businesses have paid 10 million million dollars in penalties for spam and telemarketing breaches. And that includes big companies like the Commonwealth Bank, DoorDash and My Car Tire and Auto. So it is good to see a crackdown happening on this kind of stuff. And it was kind of interesting because apparently Ticketek was surprised that they couldn't have these clickable like promotional banners and links in their event info email and they sort of in their response to this said that they wouldn't be surprised if other businesses would be getting caught out. So I guess just a reminder to them to check in on exactly what the regulations are. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has denied ever being asked by Indigenous leaders to delay the referendum when polls started showing it would be headed for defeat. According to nine newspapers, senior figures in the Yes 23 campaign had discussions in late July about the referendum timing after a July 22 poll showed the voice in a losing position for the first time. While internal Yes campaign research also showed many voters at the time still didn't know about the proposed Indigenous advisory body and were more focused on inflation. I I would probably agree that that was something that was heavily, heavily on people's minds at around that time. And certainly, you know, and anecdotally, this is without any kind of research. This is just talking Mm. to people on the street for news stories and my own family and friends. I don't think people really got engaged in that voice campaign and what they would do, how they would vote until quite later. Late in the piece. Apparently, some of the Yes campaigners were even saying when Anthony Albanese announced the referendum date on August 30 that maybe it, they should call it off. So, I mean, that's a, a pretty interesting revelation. One day we may soon find out what really mm. happened. Okay, breakfast time. Then, chiller time! And the United States has been accused of making its own bluey ripoff. So critics say a new kids show called Chip Chiller is clearly a knockoff of our series. So it's the story of a family of chinchillas living in suburban America, but with a twist, they're homeschooled. <laughs> this doesn't sound too exciting <laughs> for me. Um, look, the real juicy part of this story is that it's being called a blatant bluey knockoff for conservatives. And that's because the media brand producing it is co-founded by a political commentator. His name is Ben Shapiro and a filmmaker, Jeremy Boring. And Boring even went on record late last year to say the aim of their kids' entertainment arm is to get them while they're young 
claw back some ground from the left and countered Disney's stranglehold. So he's making no bones about it. Um, he says, we have to challenge the left every single place that it lives and that Disney pushes all the excesses of the woke left. So this is their comeback, this show Chip Chiller. What I've read of the review so far, Eleanor, they say it's kind of boring. It's not like Bluey. Don't try and rip Bluey off. Come on. One of my favourite comments was, Mom, can we have Bluey? We have Bluey at home. And this is the Bluey at home. So, (laughs) I don't know. So far, it doesn't seem to be really getting uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people that excited. Yeah, try harder people. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, Eleanor. We are about to get into a deep dive on what is in your protein powder. It might surprise you. The Australian protein supplement market is estimated to be worth around $218 million, and that is predicted to grow even bigger in the next five years. But for such a big market, as you'll soon learn, there is surprisingly little regulation. If you're an athlete, that's an especially big worry if you're subject to testing. But even for us regular humans who think we're doing something good for our health by supplementing with protein, we currently have no way of knowing if the powder we're buying is as pure as the packaging promises or if it contains some nasty toxins, things like pesticides, heavy metals. We don't know any of that unless we own a lab to test it. This is an especially big worry when you consider the boom in high school-aged boys buying and taking protein. They're buying it online after seeing influencers advertise it on social media and they're getting it from the US where there is even less regulation. Bethany Allenson is a WA-based sports dietitian who has some really great advice around what to look for and how to minimise the risk. And she joins us now. Bethany, thanks for joining us. All right, let's begin at the beginning. What ingredients are typically in protein powders? I think that's one of the really interesting things, Katrina, is that quite often we don't actually know what's in protein powders and that's a consequence of um, the regulations uh, or the lack of regulations around protein powders. But typically what we'll see um, most commonly in the market is something like a a whey protein isolate, which is a concentrated form of whey protein or a whey protein concentrate, which is whey protein and some carbohydrate in it, or quite often a casein-based protein, which is a more slow release. That'd be the most common ingredients. But then along with that, we'll obviously have things like preservatives and fillers and and quite often some of the nasties that can appear in protein powders that we get worried about with the health and safety of consumers. We'll come back to some of those nasties in a minute, but I really would love to know what the state of play is when it comes to the regulation of these products in Australia. Where, where do we sit with that? It's not a, a strongly regulated market and, and quite often what happens, we have something called white labelling where products are sold unlabeled by a company and people can just purchase that and put their own label on it. So there can be a real lack of understanding and a lack of regulation also about having to say what's in a protein powder. And a really common example of that is when we have things like proprietary blends where a company can call something their proprietary blend and give it a name and they don't actually have to stipulate what 
forms that proprietary blend or even the amounts of ingredients that are contained within the powder itself. So it's one of the common issues that we struggle with is that we actually often don't know what's in protein powders. Oh, that, that's really frightening as someone who actually buys protein powder and, and I read the label because I sort of want to know what's in it. In terms of anyone being able to check that it is what it says it is, who, who does batch testing? Does anyone do that? Yeah, and that's something that we have to be really, I guess, vigilant with, with our elite athlete population who get tested uh, and they need to be really careful that they're not taking any banned substances. So there are some really reputable companies and when we talk about protein powders, it makes it sound as if it's a real, I guess, a cagey market and everyone's out to trick consumers and that's certainly not the case. There are some really reputable companies out there uh, who are producing what they say they're producing and they're really clearly labelling everything that's in their products. So I don't wish to sort of cast aspersion over all manufacturers, but we really encourage, particularly with our elite athletes and developing athletes as well, to look for batch tested products. And what that means is that those protein powders have gone to an independent laboratory, which has tested them for thousands of contaminants that could cause a positive doping test. So that for an athlete or for any consumer really is the best way of knowing that your protein powder contains, well, certainly doesn't contain some of the the nasty things that might cause for athletes a positive doping test or even for consumers just some real health issues along the way. And does it generally say on the packet if it has been batch tested? How do you know? What will generally happen is that the companies that do batch test their products, they'll quite proud of that and rightly so and they'll put that logo on their product so commonly in Australia you'll see the informed sport logo or the Hasta logo that'd be the two most common laboratories and they'll be proudly displayed generally on the front label of a product some companies will test all their product range and some might just take certain batches of a product that they're making and just test some of the range. So you just need to be careful that you are actually choosing a product that has been batch tested. All right, let's talk about some of those ingredients that might be, first of all, problematic in terms of, you know, bloating and and all those nasty things that people don't generally want when they're taking protein powder. But then some of the more, I guess, um, sinister ones that can cause more serious health issues. What should we be looking out for? That's where it can be quite hard is that that it's hard to know what's actually in a protein powder. So when protein powders have been tested, it's been shown that some contain things like heavy metals in them for elite athletes or even the general public. There's the concern that some might contain things like steroids in them as well. And then there might just be properties like the type of carbohydrate that gets used that some people struggle to digest and some people just have general bloating from from a standard protein powder itself. So there's all sorts of ingredients that we need to be looking out for. And I guess it just highlights that protein powders aren't bad per se, but there needs to be care when they're chosen. And also that sometimes we forget just how good food can be itself and that maybe we, for some of us we don't actually need a protein powder at all. What about the grey market? So people buying things from overseas, you know, they might have heard somebody talking on a podcast and they think, oh, just buy that online. How much of a problem is that? Well, I think it's a a real problem. And I think particularly we're seeing an increase uh, in younger people looking to use protein powders and certainly in that that adolescence range, we know that there's a real interest in in consumers using 
protein powders and purchasing them. And when people are talking about getting great results from using a protein powder, then I think sometimes that can be a bit of a, a red flag because we know that protein powders can contain anything. And if people are seeing really significant results simply by adding a protein powder into their diet, that's a bit of a red flag that perhaps there's something in there that shouldn't be in there that's helping with those results. And remember that some manufacturers are just looking to sell their product. And so if people are getting results, then that means more sales for them. So we really encourage people to look at the quality of the product that they're buying, look for something that's batch tested and make sure as much as possible that they're consuming what the product says they are. And what are some of the other, I guess, green flags that we can look for on a packet? I mean, organic, is that good? Made in Australia, is that good? It's actually a really tricky one and there there is a bit of a, a misconception that if something's made in Australia, then it's okay. And with protein powders, that's certainly not the case. They can just as easily be contaminated as a product that's made overseas. So we really encourage everyone to be careful regardless of where a product's made. And sometimes it's not necessarily the product itself, but sometimes it's the manufacturing plant where a product's been made or the equipment that it's been made on that's been contaminated. So, you know, if we knew that a protein powder contained heavy metals or pesticides, would we knowingly let our adolescent consume that or would we want to consume that ourselves? I think, you know, generally the answer is no. So I think looking for those really high quality batch tested products is a great rule of thumb for anyone who's using a protein powder. So what is happening in this space to to regulate this this market more effectively? It seems like an awful burden for consumers to have to wade through this very confusing uh, set of, um, well, it's it's just not um, regulated at all at the moment. No, and I think it's an interesting concept. I think the use of these types of products has exploded in recent years. And even on our supermarket shelf, you'll see so many um, high-protein food and grocery products that are marketed as high-protein. So it's a real area of interest with consumers. I think first and foremost, we need to remind ourselves that it's not food. And protein powders can be really convenient and they can be an easy way to get protein or to meet our protein requirements, but they aren't food. And so that manufacturing of them isn't regulated in the same way that food is regulated through Fazans in Australia who have really strict marketing protocols. So it's just something we need to be careful of as consumers. Do we need protein powder? And if we think we do, well, you know, some of those things that are in place like batch testing that help us make good choices. How many of us actually, you know, who aren't elite athletes really do need protein powder? Are there advantages to protein powder over food? How does protein powder compare to the protein you can get naturally from food? There's no real advantage to getting protein from protein powder. And we know through talking with people and the work that I do with athletes and and individuals is that most people are meeting their protein requirements from food alone. So so always adopt a, a food first approach with people. But then for some people, there actually might be a need to use supplements, including protein powder. And then it's about making a safe choice. So don't think it's a, a necessarily a black and white uh, situation, but I think it just really reinforces that protein powders aren't regulated in the same way that food is. So just for consumers to take care and be aware that 
you know, this is a, a huge market. It makes a lot of money for manufacturers. And so remembering that that's their main goal, not necessarily our health and safety. And for that really adolescent population, I think just being aware that food is so important for growth as well and that adding a protein powder in might be helpful, useful, and might be seem really attractive because it might appear like a lot of elite athletes are using them or all their friends are using them, but just making sure that those those choices that are made are with health and well-being in mind as well. That was Bethany Allenson, a WA-based sports dietitian. I went and had a look straight away in my cupboard at my protein, which I thought was really pure. It says pure and an Australian company. And then I saw that it was uh, made in Australia from imported ingredients and it didn't have what Bethany was just talking about. Um, that little symbol that said that it was batch tested. So now I am not so sure. I also just jumped on. There's a really good website called sportintegrity.gov.au and they point to a couple of places that you can go and have a look and check your own protein powder out. One of them is HASTA, H-A-S-T-A, or Informed Sport. And they've got a whole list of protein powders there that they regularly batch test. Listener.